passionate about. So let's go in our Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through to, or excuse me, verses 7 through to 18 has been our, uh, what we call our anchor scripture. We're going to really focus on, on verse 18 today, but I just love to take a moment and just set the course for the rest of our time together by just opening up God's word. This is Paul the Apostle writing. It says this, now we have this treasure in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We talked a little bit about that last week. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned, and we are struck down and not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. So then, death is at work in us, but life is in you. And since we have this same spirit of faith in keeping with what was written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak. For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. Indeed, everything is for your benefit. Everything. Come on, just like, just type that in. Like, understand, hashtag everything is for you. Even the hard things are for our benefit. So that, as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. Therefore, I love this, we don't give up. Come on, somebody. In-house and online, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day for our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. Here's our focus verse for today. This is what we're gonna really look at and dig into. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Today as we continue on in this collection of talks, we're calling How to Survive a Pandemic. I wanna speak to you from the subject seeing the unseen. Seeing the unseen, as we look at having a right perspective during moments of affliction in our lives. Will you pray with me just one more time this morning? Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this moment that we have together today in homes and in cubicles, kitchens, dining rooms, bedrooms, cars, or out in the middle of the woods, wherever people find themselves watching today, God. I pray that your word would impact us that your truth would set us free today. And so we honor you, we love you, we worship you, we give you this space right now. We take this moment to just set our eyes on you. Speak to us now, we're listening in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and everybody shouted amen and amen. I'm gonna show you a picture right now. I'm gonna date myself. Uh, how many of you have seen this before? Come on, somebody. This is, this is the OG uh, toys right here. This is old school, original. This is where, this is where the glory's at, is right here. Uh, this is the Mattel Viewmaster. And I remember playing with the Viewmaster. Speak and spell. Come on, somebody. Uh, I remember playing with these toys as a kid. Now, like my kids are on the Switch and PlayStation and they, like Lego, all these things that they have right now. And I was looking this up the other day and my daughter, Shiloh, she looked over my shoulder and she's like, Dad, what's that? And I was like, that's a toy. And she looked at that, she looked at me, she's like, no, that's not. <laughs> that's, not a, that's not a toy. And I was like, yeah, that, that's a toy. That's what dad used to, to play with. And she's like, well, what does it do? And so I explained to her how hours of fun, come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Hours of fun by just sitting here, click, 
I mean, I guess if you think about it, it's no different than what we're doing right now on our cell phone, right? It's just swipe, but this is just click, click. And she's like, so wait, you would just sit there and look through it. And I was like, yeah, this thing right here, like there's little pictures in there. <laughs> she's just shaking her head. Like, what is happening right now? I said, yeah, we used to sit there and we'd look through it and we would just click it and another picture would come. And she goes, you would just sit there? And I was like, yeah. We would just sit there for hours and play in the Viewmaster. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, after she went away, and she was like, this is nonsense. And she literally said to me, she's like, don't buy me that toy. So I was like, all right, whatever. But I sat there, and I was thinking about it, because I used to play with the Viewmaster. I don't know how many of you have played with this before, but as you would click, you remember that moment that it would malfunction on you? And in between the click... All of a sudden, it would like sit between two pictures, and all of a sudden, what was clear would become blurry. Remember that moment? Like all of a sudden, your, your perspective and your vision would be stuck between two moments. <laughs> and it was blurry, and it didn't make sense, and you had to jack around with it a little bit, or sometimes you need to replace it as a whole. And as I was sitting there thinking about it, I thought to myself, man, that is where we are at right now. If we're honest, it feels like we're sitting between these moments in life and things have gotten a little bit blurry. My perspective isn't as clear as it once was. I think this is where we find ourselves, especially in times of affliction. We find ourselves, come on somebody, stuck between a frame, stuck between a moment, and so our perspective becomes blurry and dull, and then if we're honest, therapy moment, we become frustrated and we become doubting and fearful and insecure, and much of what many of us are experiencing and feeling right now is that. Like, what happened? How many of you are like, can we just reset 2020? Right? How many of you know we like clicked over from 2019 to 2020 and it got blurry fast? Right? Research indicates that the average person, think about this for a second, the average person thinks approximately 50,000 thoughts per day. 50,000 thoughts per day, dudes less. 50,000 thoughts per day. How many of you would agree with me? That is a lot of thoughts that have the potential to mess us up. What and how we think is a vital part of our relationship with God, and more importantly, it has a direct effect on our ability to experience life in the way that God has designed it for us. Even when that experience includes affliction, pain, trials, frustration, things pushing against the way that we want it. And most of us, let's just talk truly, most of us think that pain is incongruent with the plan. We think that pain is incongruent with purpose. We think that pain is incongruent with intention and design for our lives by God. So when we experience moments, this is the one we're currently in, we then begin to doubt and dismiss and fear and undercut and minimize and self-sabotage our lives, either by slow, seemingly minuscule decisions or in big, one-off nuclear choices. How many of you have been there before? Because I'm frustrated, because I'm fearful, because my, my vision's off, my perspective is off, things have gotten blurry. It has a tendency to throw me off a little bit, and if I'm not careful, I can make a bunch of small, minuscule decisions that lead to disaster, or in one big blaze of dumpster fire glory, I make a big decision that just messes everything up. And so what I wanna deal with today is our, our perspective. Consider this from Dr. Caroline Leafs, who switched my, off my brain. She says this, 
Research shows that around 87% of illnesses can be attributed to our thought life and approximately 13% to diet, genetics, and environment. Studies conclusively link more chronic diseases, also known as lifestyle diseases, to an epidemic of toxic emotions in our culture. These toxic emotions can cause migraines, hypertension, strokes, cancer, skin problems, diabetes, infections, and allergies, just to name a few. Here's here's the truth I want us to, to wrestle with today. The way that we think dictates this very important reality in our lives, and that is our perspective, the way that we see things. And as someone once said, perspective is the picture you paint about any occurrence happening in your life. For the sake of the message today, let's understand that our thinking and our perspective are interconnected. Can we do that today? They're interconnected and we need to do work on what we think about for sure. But today I want the focus to be our perspective. Thinking will come later in this series. We'll deal with our thoughts later, right? I wanna try and convince you today of the importance of right perspective so that in doing so, we will actually desire to develop right thinking. How many of you like to have the why behind things? Like I love to know why I'm doing something. And so I wanna convince us today that that right perspective actually enables our life in ways that we never thought possible. But right perspective comes by way of right thinking. But if we can understand how perspective shifts, then maybe we'll wanna work on our thinking Next, something the Bible actually talks a lot about. So Paul says this, he offers this to us. He says, so we don't focus on what is seen. Come on. We don't focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. In other words, Paul is saying that we need to have a kingdom way of seeing, a Jesus way of seeing. A perspective that is not shaped by current events, situations, and feelings. Rather, a perspective that is built on something that is unshakable, unwavering, and eternal. This is the life that Jesus would encourage us with, as he said, the difference between building on sand and building on a rock. A life that is unshakable is built on that which is unshakable. And I know that sounds like a very like kindergartner statement, but think about this. Many of us try to build our lives on shakable things and then we don't understand why our life is all shook up. But is it possible? Is it possible that when we build our life on the rock known as Jesus, the most unshakable thing that we will interact with, the most unshakable person that we will interact with, when he is unshakable, I am unshakable. So the truth is, A life that is unshakable is built on that which is unshakable. Hashtag unshakable. So Paul offers to us a perspective shift. He submits to each of us that we're not to look at life by way of what we see, but rather to view life through that which we do not see. It is, in fact, a perspective shift. It's countercultural, isn't it? It's mentally incongruent, doesn't make sense. And naturally speaking, many of us say, that's improbable. We view things simply by the way that we see them. But with the help of his grace and the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can see our circumstances in ways and with a perspective that, come on, changes everything. Who would agree with me online today and in the house today? How many of us need a perspective shift today? I know during this moment, I've needed my perspective to change. And like Erica was saying earlier, like the team was singing earlier, my eyes above what it looks like 
Come on, my eyes have got to go higher. My eyes have got to start looking at what is unseen, not at what as seen. Because if I look at what I see, if I look at what is going on around me, I'm going to get caught up in a lot of things that I don't need to get caught up in. But when I lift my eyes, when I start looking at the unseen, when I lift up higher and higher, I start to realize, man, anything by the grace of God is possible. So we got to change our perspective, the way we see. Some of us got to get our sight right. (laughs) So today I want us to consider our perspective. Take some time to just consider the way that we look at things. And our perspective, the way that we see things, shapes four very important areas of our lives. And this is what I want to take some time to look at today. Here's, Here's the first thing that our perspective does, is our perspective shapes our attitudes. This is the part where no one says amen. Like, I want my attitude. Our perspective shapes our attitude. Now remember, perspective and our thinking, that they, they're interconnected, all right? But I wanna read this, this piece of scripture to you. Proverbs 23, verse seven, New King James Version says it like this. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Biblically speaking, who we are is seen in an integrated and interconnected way. Whereas in our Western thought, we tend to try and compartmentalize everything, right? This is the work me, and this is the church me, and this is the Facebook me, and this is the Instagram me, right? This is the dating me, this is the Christian me. We try to box everything, we try to compartmentalize it, but biblically speaking, our lives are actually supposed to be integrated. I am who I am. I be who I be. Right? And so that's why we gotta understand that all of this is interconnected. And with this being the case, our perspective shapes our attitudes. And our attitude during light and momentary affliction is of the utmost importance. How many of you agree with me this morning? The attitude's important. Now, I just wanna pause for just a second. Like, let's make sure that this doesn't turn into a self-help seminar, okay? I'm not Tony Robbins. Like, that's not... Me, I'm not trying to just say like, have a good attitude. What I'm trying to get us to understand is that our attitude is actually connected to our perspective. So it's not about trying to have a right attitude because we can try to work ourselves into a good attitude but still have a bad perspective. I wanna offer to us today, I wanna submit to us today that when I change my perspective, my attitude goes with it. When I change the way that I'm seeing things, my attitude goes with it. Second week of puppy training yesterday. I can tell you we're getting much better. I showed up yesterday, a little bit earlier, brought my dog to the circle. Everybody's standing in the circle with their dogs. And then this other gentleman came in and his dog was going nuts. And on the inside I was secretly happy because I was like, thank the Lord that is not my dog, right? You could tell he was little and his dog was trying to kill every other dog and we're standing there and everything like that. So we're working on training. Remember remember yesterday, if you missed this part of the message, like tune into last week's message, but here we go. This is dog training. Walking around in circles, like dog training, dog training. Just circle, 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 pause, 
turn with the dog, do another circle. All, I was dizzy for like four hours after I got done yesterday because of all the circles. But as I was walking my dog again, going this way, I started to realize something, and this is how the training is actually working, is that my dog started to follow me instead of me following my dog. Why? Because I'm leading my dog, and that is our perspective. Our perspective leads our attitudes. The problem is many of us are allowing our attitudes to lead our perspective. How many of you felt like that? Like lately, like your emotions and your attitudes is like a wild dog just leading you around. The Bible's off, Paul's often saying, listen, let's not focus on what is seen. Let's shift our perspective. Let's go above everything and let's lead our attitude. Why? Because our perspective's in charge. Because our, our perspective is built on something greater. See, our attitude will always impact the practical realities of our lives. Somebody needs to hear that today. Many of us think that the reality around us is what's impacting our life. But I would actually challenge that our attitude is what really impacts the practical areas of our lives. Right? Um, I have a tendency in my life, and that's to overanalyze everything. If, if you were in this room, you'd hear the audible groan, right? Because for those who know me, understand this about me. My wife, who's lived with me now for 15 years in marriage, understands that I have a tendency, tendency, ten, small tendency to overanalyze things. I'll get fixated on something, and, and I'll think about it from every angle. And then occasionally, this is just a therapeutic moment, occasionally I'll make up an angle. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, right? You're like, that angle, she, she's like, that doesn't, even, that doesn't even exist. How'd you come up with that? And I was like, if you analyze long enough, you can come up with anything. And that's where I find myself sometimes is that I have a tendency to overanalyze. When I overanalyze and think this way, it quickly leads me to the place of self-preservation, which inherently is about assessing the negatives in order to remove oneself from any potential negative situation. In other words, my over-assessing and my, my hyper-tension on this issue has a tendency to shape my perspective. And then all of a sudden I see, see things negatively and all of a sudden my attitude changes in it, my disposition changes. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? When you, get, when you think about that conversation you need to have with somebody, right? How many of you have done this in your head before where you're like, they're gonna say this and then I'm gonna counter with this and then they're gonna say this, this, and this and then I'm gonna say this, and then I'm gonna drop the mic. And then you think about how that situation's gonna go, and then they're like, if they say this, and, and you focus on this conversation, and then all of a sudden, you get into the conversation, and you have a bad attitude right away into the conversation, and then how many of you know the conversation goes nothing like you thought it was gonna go? They lead out with, I'm so sorry I did that. You're like, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> it's perspective. At the end of the day. See, when I have a negative perspective, my attitude quickly follows. Pastor and author Charles Swindle describes the power we have to direct these things. He says this, thoughts, positive or negative, grow stronger together when fertilized with constant repetition. That may explain why so many 
who are gloomy and gray stay in that mood and why others who are cheery and enthusiastic continue to be so, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. You've you've met the person lately who's just pumped out of their mind no matter what's going on? Please do not misunderstand. Happiness, like winning, is a matter of right thinking, not intelligence, age, or position. Our performance is directly related to the thoughts we deposit in our memory bank. We can only draw on what we deposit. Here's what I want us to hear. Our thoughts are the food source for our perspective. They're interconnected, so our perspective starts feeding off of the way that we think, and so when we are thinking in ways that are incongruent with God's word, our perspective starts to feed off of that, and then we start looking at everything through the thoughts that we're giving our perspective. Jonathan Edwards put it this way, the ideas and images in men's minds are the invisible powers that constantly govern them. In other words, this head... And these eyes are interconnected. I wanna ask you this question today. Write this down. How do I see things? How do I see things? Here's the second, here's the second truth I want us to hear today is that our perspective produces our words. Uh-oh. Our perspective produces our words. Luke chapter six, verse 45 says this, a good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. Now, all of a sudden, we're gonna see it shifts to a different area. But remember, biblically speaking, all these areas are interconnected, all right? An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of his heart. And our perspective, which is interconnected to all these things, has a tendency to produce our words. The way that we see things directs the way our mouth says things. Come on, we'll say that one more thing. The way that we see things directs how our mouth says things. All right. How many of you would agree with me right now that there's a lot of people saying a lot of things right now? Right? And can I just qualify this? I'm not just talking about verbal speech. When you sit behind your computer and hop onto Facebook or hit a post on Instagram, or work your magic with 140 characters on Twitter. Come on, somebody. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That is speaking. And I think right now in our generation, we think that verbal and nonverbal are somehow disconnected. Uh Uh-uh. What I saw you post on Facebook is what I know you would say out your mouth. Just for clarity's sake, all right? And so what we need to understand is that our perspective, the way that we see things directs the way that we say things. And there's a conversation that's happening in our world right now. There are things that are being said right now by a lot of people in a lot of spaces on different sides. We talked about that in our Lines in the Sand series. And I just want to get us pumped for just a moment. I want to just hype us up for just a second that we as Christ followers, those who consider ourselves followers of Jesus, when our perspective aligns with the kingdom of heaven, our mouth should align as well. We should be declaring the good news, the gospel, that which changes a generation. But I can't say the gospel if I don't see the gospel. If my perspective is not aligned with the kingdom, then my mouth cannot be aligned with the kingdom. The good news Could you imagine if we just walked into places and spaces and started just talking about good things? 
What if our conversation was good, generically good? I'm not just talking about like moral things. I'm, I'm talking about the good news. When was the last time you, in the name of the gospel, just encouraged somebody? Right? We, we talk about wanting, oh, I just I want to go deep in the word. You know, deep in the word is using your mouth to declare better words over people's lives. Think about that. I can have all the knowledge in the world, but if I don't use what God has put in my heart and in my mind to encourage somebody else, I ain't using anything. When was the last time you told the server at your restaurant that they're just awesome? You know how many people bug out when you just simply tell them that they're awesome? It's wild. Like I told somebody that the other day in the Starbucks drive-thru, I just, hey, just, just so you know, you're awesome. That's what I said to him. It sounded weird coming out my mouth. You're awesome. I said it like that too. I can make things awkward sometimes, guys, okay? I was like, you're awesome. Like with that much inflection, like that demonstrative. I just looked at them, they handed me their coffee. I got my coffee, I looked at them, like almost puzzled. And I was like, you're awesome. She was, she was taken back. She didn't know whether to give me my coffee or shut the window, right? You're awesome. <laughs> Try sometimes. Just don't go so aggressive because people get weird. You're, you're awesome. <laughs> right? <laughs> but but I, said, I was like, <laughs> just watch it. You're awesome. She looked at me and she pulled down her mask and she showed me her smile. She said, thank you. I haven't heard that in a long time. Just made my day. Put her mask on, shut the window, I drove off. You're awesome. Maybe you need to hear that today. You're watching. I just want, you're awesome. You, sitting right there. I don't know where you're sitting, but you're awesome. A simple word of encouragement. Why? Because our words carry weight. The problem is, is that we can't give good words if we've got bad perspective. If you carry the perspective that no one's awesome, how can you encourage anything? Think about it, it's, it's, it's really simple. But we've gotta inherently walk around. Could you think about, like Jesus, the Bible tells us that kids wanted to jump all over Jesus. There was something about Jesus, wasn't there? There was something about him where he would stroll in and everybody wanted to be around him. Tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners and, and everything in between. They wanted to hang around Jesus and whenever he would speak, it was laced with grace. Whenever he would speak, it was laced with joy. It was laced with this presence that people didn't understand. And I just wonder if we can be the church. I just wonder if we can be the type of people. Our words are shaped by our perspective. And when we see heaven on earth, when we understand what God God is doing in spiritual realms, all of a sudden my words change. I do start speaking life. I do start speaking encouragement. I do start speaking that there's something beyond the pandemic. Come on, am I talking to anybody online today or in the house? Number three, our third truth is this, is that our perspective directs our actions. Our perspective directs our actions. James 1, 23 through 25, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, this is always a funny scripture to me, for he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. You done that before? You just like look, 
oh, so good. Then you walk away. And you're like, man, what did I look like? And then you go back. That's, that's the picture that James wants us to understand. It's, it's foolishness is what he's saying. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law, see the perspective right here? Who looks intently, whose perspective is shaped by the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it. And not a forgetful here, but a doer of works. This person will be blessed in what he does. Your perspective leads to actions. See, the intentionality of our actions is interconnected with a heavenly perspective. When my perspective shifts, when the way I see things changes, my actions change. Come on, how many of us have ever tried to change our actions, our actions without shifting our perspective? I know when you start to like try to work out more and eat healthy, how many of you know you've got to, you have to change your perspective on food? Our coach used to say this all the time. You have to change your perspective on food. When you see food a certain way, all of a sudden your actions change. Come on, somebody. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I gotta change my perspective on things. I gotta start looking at donuts, although awesome, they aren't the fuel that I need. I can say all day long, I don't wanna eat a donut, I don't wanna eat a donut, but if my perspective is not congruent with what I'm trying to actually make happen in my life, then I'm not gonna be able to make happen what I wanna make happen. I gotta change the way that I see things. And then my actions follow suit. So here's the deal. If you see things defensively, you will act defensive. If you see things negatively, you will act negative. If you see things faithless, you will live faithless. If you see things with doubt, you will live in doubt. If you see things fearfully, you act fearful. If you see things shamefully, you will live in shame. I read this quote once and it said this, our thoughts are the origin of our behaviors. Each behavior begins this way. A thought stimulates an electrochemical response, which produces emotion. Emotion results in an attitude. Attitude produces behavior. This process affects the way that we think and feel physically. So negative or toxic thoughts produce toxic emotions. Those produce toxic attitudes, which result in toxic behavior. See, many of us will, will be the constipated Christian. We've talked about this before. You know, some of you haven't been around when I've mentioned this before, but they're the Christian that, like, they look like they're hurting. Hashtag just walked up to the line. I call them constipated Christians because everything is ultimately being done out of their willpower. And then you try to invite others into, right? Just come know Jesus. He's so good. <laughs> right? That, it's incongruent. What I have to do is when I shift my perspective, all of a sudden my, my actions change. I don't have to white knuckle it. I don't have to pain my way through, through life. When my perspective change, all of a sudden my decisions change. The way I see things produces the way that I behave through things. The way that I see things changes the way that I, that I do things. When I see through insecure eyes, I make insecure decisions. 
I watch this in relationships a lot. Can we talk real today? Especially for, for singles. But married couples do this as well, even internally within our relationship. If you have an insecure perspective, I just help the singles out today. If you have an insecure perspective, then you will make insecure decisions about the people that you bring into your life. And so what we'll do many times, and I've done this before as well, is that I'll invite people into my life that I wanted to be in relationship with, not based on God's plan and the way that I see it, but based upon my insecurities and what I need fed. So I see things through insecure eyes. I then invite people into my life that deal only with my insecurity, not my future, that deal only with my insecurity and not what God has planned for me. And then that decision right there has the chance and the opportunity to derail everything in my life because I didn't make a kingdom decision, I made an insecure decision because my perspective had not been changed. When I see things through fearful eyes, I make fearful decisions. You see what I'm talking about today? We have to change our perspective. And here's the last and final one, is that our perspective shapes our declaration. This is different than words. This is our declaration. Our perspective shapes our declaration. Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52 tells a really pointed story about one man's declaration. It says this, it says, they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jesus, Jericho, with his disciples and a large crowd, I I want you to notice the details of this story. Jesus is leaving this place, and once again, there's a large crowd all around him. Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 48, many warned him to keep quiet. Isn't that interesting? The man they were following had not yet altered their own perspective. Because how many of you know a crowd that truly knew who Jesus would wouldn't tell a blind beggar to be quiet? So the crowd following Jesus yells at this blind man to be quiet, stop crying out. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many warned him to keep quiet, but he was crying out all the more. I love this blind man because when people told him to to be quiet, to shut up, he just kept on crying out. He kept on using his voice to, to have a declaration. Have mercy on me, son of David. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man and said to him, have courage, get up. He's calling for you. Watch verse 50. You gotta look at the words of the Bible sometimes. He said, he threw his coat off. Could you imagine? Like, I just want you to think about that. Like, you're blind. You're a blind beggar who's yelling, son of David, have mercy on me. And all of a sudden, Jesus calls you. And as a blind beggar, he gets up, he throws his coat off. Like, I want you to think about that disposition for a minute. Come on, if you could just imagine this story. Imagine it's you. They called him, said, have courage, get up. He's calling for you. He threw his coat off. 
and he, and he jumped up. This is not the behavior of a blind man. When was the last time you saw a blind man? Never. I want you to get this because there's some powerful truth in this next few verses. He threw off his coat, he jumped up, and he came to Jesus. I wonder how he came to Jesus. Doesn't say that anybody led him. Maybe we could admit that into there, but he came to Jesus. Was he just fumbling around? Was he listening for a voice? What, what was going on in that moment? I don't know, but he, he threw off his coat. He jumped up. He came to Jesus. Then Jesus answered him with the nuttiest question. Watch what it says. What do you want me to do for you? <laughs> Think about that. Jesus. Could you imagine Peter, who constantly had his foot in his mouth? He's like, Jesus. He doesn't want Chick-fil-A. He's blind. And Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for me? Rabboni, Rabbi, the blind man said to him. That's what he says, that's what he declares. I want to see. Think about that. I wanna see. I want perspective. I want my eyes to go higher. I want them to be opened up. I want to see. He threw his coat off. He jumped up. He came to Jesus in the midst of this crowd who had been telling him to be quiet. And Jesus had the gall and the audacity to say, what do you want from me? And he says, I want to see. I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has saved you. And immediately... He could see. He began to follow Jesus on the road. This is what I want us to hear today. Bartimaeus had perspective even when he did not have sight. Bartimaeus had perspective even when he did not have sight. Listen, we don't have to be able to physically see to see with kingdom eyes. Bartimaeus threw his coat off. Bartimaeus jumped up. Bartimaeus made the declaration that I wanna see. He believed in a miracle even when he didn't have sight. And for some of us, we're resting too much stock in the sight that we have physically. And right now, I'm calling us to have a different perspective. I'm calling us to see things different. And even when we can't see, we can see the unseen. We can see the prayer of Jesus. Heaven, come down. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because we got kingdom eyes. Why? Because we got Jesus eyes. Why? Because we have a perspective from heaven. I want to see. Artemis had perspective even when he didn't have sight. To focus on what is unseen rather than what is seen. To have sight even when we can't see. What's your perspective? What's my perspective? That's what I want us to wrestle with today. As we ask God to change it, to renew it, to give us the eyes to see what many can't see.
in Jesus' name.